Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Amanda Moore, co-founder of Demand Zen. Prior to co-founding Demand Zen, Amanda had, has had quite the career. She started at NBC 17 in Raleigh, North Carolina, where she was an associate producer and then transitioned into contract recruiting. Fast forward to present day, Demand Zen helps clients grow by producing streams of qualified meetings that can be converted into opportunity pipelines, resulting in new revenue. Amanda combined her business, Blooming Growth Resources, with a partner to form a new company focused on aggressively growing companies in the B2B space. Demand Zen provides outsourced demand generation for companies looking to aggressively expand their revenue opportunities and grow their team. Amanda, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Uh, How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Good. I'm good. I'm excited that we have survived this crazy cold snap that has come across the country. Um, I know people, depending on where they are in the world right now, are frozen in their houses or uh, not having power, which is kind of wild. So thankful to be here talking with you. Yeah, three of our employees have been without power in Texas for the last several days. So So wild. I have a sister and her family are in Texas and the same thing. Yeah, it's awful. Weird. Okay, Uh, let me ask you this. What were the series of events that led you to start your company? Yes. So I'll start with Blooming Growth. Okay. Uh, In 2001, um, I got married and then the Twin Towers came down. Wow. And um, I um, um, laid off about 50 people and moved home. Um, to right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, um, for my husband to start a business, and I started blooming growth. Basically, I um, am, tend to be a little unmanageable, and <laughs> as most entrepreneurs are, um, and also um, had the opportunity to work from home in two thousand and one um, as a consultant. So I started consulting, and. Um, In 2008, it's a really interesting story, the second recession of my young life, um, lots of my clients just kind of went into hiring freezes and layoffs, and it was just kind of a a mess. And so I made my first cold call on behalf of my business um, to who is actually my current business partner. Wow. Uh, He was a VP of marketing at um, um, a startup. And he hired Blooming Growth to do the outsourced SDR work. Um, That was basically a smoking hole in the ground. But the next one um, was a big data startup out of London where he was also VP of marketing and hired my company again. That was purchased by Apple. Um, And then again, hired me at a company called Scale.io, a data storage startup. And they they were purchased by EMC, which is, of course, now Dell. Yep. So after that exit, um, he, he started a digital consulting practice. And in 2014, we combined our businesses and became Demand Zen. I had seven employees. He had one. And today we have 65. So it was wow. a great cold call. <laughs> yeah, man. Talk about <laughs> getting it right on the first, on the first call. Don't, don't ever let anyone tell you the cold call is dead. <laughs> That's right. That is absolutely right. So I'm curious, what do you think? 
he saw either in you or your company at the time that had him continue to keep choosing you guys at each company he was at? Well, I have my theory is that I was less expensive than the <laughs> editors out there. Of course, I didn't realize I had competitors at the time. I thought that I had invented the outsourced SDR model. However, I was mistaken. Um, but also, I think, you know, he had tried a lot of, you know, um, a lot of other services and and just didn't get the results. But mm. I, I just, I think that, I think that I probably, um, what I didn't know helped me um, because I didn't come from a background of buying lists and things of that nature that go into SDR work. Mm -hmm. So And so therefore I just, you know, I had to use my brain and figure it out. And it was, you know, very results oriented. What, what was the, the process for that company back then? What was kind of the, the, the model that you guys used? Um, like the economic model or the, the process? Like Both. Um, yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, so LinkedIn um, is, well, still is, you know, a great resource. It's the place where people tell you way too much about themselves. So it's really easy to identify who the right people are within the target organizations that you're going after. So, yeah. so you know, I had my notebook. I had my ideal customer profile, buyer personas, doing ABM long before it was a buzzword. Um, wow. Finding the buying team within big enterprises and calling them. Um, just figuring out ways to get their phone numbers. <laughs> wow. And so somebody, somebody like his company would outsource that to you. So they'd say, Hey, here's what we're trying to sell to these businesses. Then you'd go find their yeah. target market, find the buying people, you know, the decision makers in there, and then you'd con connect with them. Correct. Yeah. So people call it telemarketing. I call it evangelism. We're having yeah your business conversations with people at the enterprise and mid-market, you know, decision makers, and we're piquing their interest. It's very consultative in nature. And um, then we do not carry those through to the cell. Those, we schedule those meetings for their full life cycle reps. Oh, that's cool. AEs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a skill. That is a, that is a hard job. We have mad cold calling skills here at Demand Zone. I bet. I bet. How did you develop it for yourself? I had a very strict mother. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear how that how that plays in. Yeah, I mean, I started off as a recruiter, and when I started, you know, we did there was no LinkedIn, and and so I just you know had to kind of blindly make cold calls and dial through a phone tree in hopes that I would get a software engineer on the phone and talk him into switching jobs. Wow! So you know, it was a really easy transition to doing SDR work. Interesting. Okay. So fast forward to uh, when you guys actually started Demand Zen. That was 2014. Is that right? Correct. And did the, was it this, is it a similar kind of business model? Did something change? Well, uh, well we've done a lot of growing um, and we are a lot more sophisticated now. So my business partner is um, a Stanford engineer grad turned marketer and he's a dataholic. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. You know, um, um, he measures everything. And so we've got lots of great metrics um, around that. Um, we, you know, we use more sophisticated systems is kind of a mild way of. <laughs> cool. But yeah. same, is, is it the same basic result that we're, that you're trying to yeah. get for the customers taking that part of the, the equation out and doing it for them? Yes, exactly. At the end of the day, 
we deliver SQLs in the form of appointments. So they're delivered in one-on-one -on -one meetings, virtual lunch and learns nowadays, virtual yeah. tables, um, webinars, putting butts in seats, kind of, if you will. Um, yeah. Not physical seats, but webinars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The world has changed a little bit, huh? So is there a specific target market that you guys love to work with, like a certain type of company? 100% B2B tech. Okay. We do a lot of work with venture-funded startups, um, but we also have, you know, big monster companies like Oracle and NEC um, and Akamai. Um, so Interesting. Uh, okay. Well, we need to talk after this. There's someone I want to connect with that I think could, could use your services. Um, just came to mind. So remind me of that when we're done recording here. Uh, okay. So what were the first few years like, uh, for you guys were, because you both had existing practices and then you merged them. Was it already momentum? It took off, you know, kept continuing or did it mimic somewhat of a normal startup first couple of years of scratching and figuring things out? So <laughs> it was it was something <laughs> i mean we we we've grown year over year year after year and um that first year was a lot of growth second year a lot of growth um you know this is growing a business is hard yeah <laughs> um going from what we had eight employees when we did this to 65 i mean there's been ups and downs it's like three steps forward two steps back mm. So, you know, it's just been a lot of learning, figuring things out, getting on the same page, figuring out how to how to marry the businesses. And, you know, we, we both come from very different mindsets. I'm more of a emotional intelligence person and he mm. is, he is the opposite. <laughs> so we're, we're you know, we, we have very different skill sets, but are very complementary. We've yeah. made every mistake in the book. Um, we've been 100% remote the entire time. As I mentioned earlier, it was pretty easy um, when we had just a few employees. But as we've scaled, you know, we've had to figure those things out, employee mm -hmm. engagement. Um, I mean, just a ton of stuff. <laughs> what, let's use that for an example. What, what have you guys done to improve, to track and improve employee engagement? So we use um, Office Vibe, and we've been using that since the beginning, basically. It's um, their company out of Canada, and we mm -hmm. started using them when they were a startup um, and still use them today. So they send um, um, surveys weekly to mm -hmm. employees, and they're anonymous. And so we get that feedback, and, and we can, you know, it measures things like, you know, happiness, um, connections with their coworkers, um, health. Um, all kinds of things. The health yeah. is the is the one piece that we have, have struggled with because since we are all remote, we can't get together and go for a walk or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but we're working on, on improving all of it every day. Um, so um, engagement as well, we use Slack. So I'm sure you're familiar with Slack. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have all kinds of stuff integrated with Slack. Um, Salesforce is integrated with Slack. So when our team schedules a meeting, it automatically gets zapped into the meeting scheduled channel. And, and as soon as that happens, you just see a flood of emojis and congratulations. Everybody's patting each other in the back. Yeah. Um, we also use a um, tool called Bonusly. Um, okay. People love Bonusly. It's really cool. I love Bonusly. I just I've never heard of that. 
well, I don't get bonus league points anymore. Shout out to my team. <laughs> I do love them. Um, so basically you can micro bonus people for helping teamwork, doing a good job, you know, for whatever reason you want and you save up your bonus league points and you can, you can buy things like, um, uh, like an Amazon gift card, or you can donate to your favorite charity. Um, there's a ton of stuff that you can do with your bonus league points and people just love it. Um, awesome. Uh, I'm not sure where your microphone is, but the last few seconds, it seems to be rubbing up against it or something. Oh, I'm sorry. My papers. <laughs> there it is. I'm like, something is scratching and loud. Any better? Do you want me to get back and talk about Benesley again? No, you're great. You're great. Okay. We could hear it. Um, that is so cool. Yeah, I've never heard of that service before. That's integrated into Slack as well? Yeah, you can find it on the Slack app. Wow. Yeah, there's a ton of that stuff now. Oh, that's cool. What do you think has been the biggest initiative that has gotten you guys a great ROI in terms of engagement? You know, something maybe you recognize out of out of some feedback you got from the surveys you're doing and said, all right, we need to improve this. And so I, we initiated this program or we invested in the employees this way and we noticed a big uptick in the in, in some area. Yeah. So, um, so we've started taking a, a more invested approach to employee training. Um, so we're doing things like LinkedIn learning. We do off sites where we, we bring the management team, not just the executive team, but the management team together and, and mm. don't just work the entire time, but, you know, um, do fun stuff. Um, you know, team building type stuff. That's been a little bit of a challenge this year. Um, sure. but, but we have done some social distancing um, get-togethers, which has been good. Um, but, you know, really more one-on-one -on -one meetings, more FaceTime, um, you know, starting the day with with team meetings and just saying, hey, good morning, you know, face-to-face -face and video and and one-on-ones weekly with everyone um, yeah. and their manager. Love it. So for you, I'm curious what is what does a typical week look like for you at this point of the business with your role in it now what's a typical week like for you well um my role has absolutely evolved i i now basically run sales um okay company and so my my week i mean my week is consists of of sales meetings <laughs> so um we're you know there's a high demand for our service and, mm -hmm. and um, I'm actually looking to hire if you know anyone. Of course. <laughs> a great salesperson. Um, sure. But um, yeah, so it's it's dealing with um, prospects and, um, and, and. So you're still directly dealing with, with customers? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Man, that makes it my next question. That's a hard job. It's a hard job, especially if you're isolated, right? Like not being able to show up to a bullpen in a sense and everybody's making their calls together and that kind of stuff. Like what have you found has been critical for you to, to show up, you know, energized again today, ready to rock. Are there a morning routine? Is there. Yeah. Well, I, I do start my day exercising um, at 6am. I have a great neighbor. We're the exact same age, kids, the same age. And cool. we walk about four miles in the dark in the freezing cold right what? now. Yeah, it's freezing. That sounds terrible. We, we're all lit up. We're hilarious looking. Her husband is a, a police officer and he leaves at the crack of dawn and goes and he's constantly scolding us that that we're not, you know, bright enough. 
we're going to meet our demise one day, but it's great. And we hate it when it rains because then I have to get in the treadmill. But um, starting my day exercising helps tremendously because I'm I'm literally in front of this computer all day and have been since 2001. So it's not right. like being at home is any change for me. It's It's just, you know, it's a lot. It's just busy. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Yeah. But that's what I'm curious about. You know, I've been doing for at least four years, I've been working from home mm-hmm. for the most part. And it's still challenging for me. Like I've, I've found some tips and tricks, but this isn't about me. I'm just curious for you. Like, how do you get over the the fatigue that might hit you from being on Zoom all day or just even sometimes the monotony of not changing environments, like the the blur between relax mode at home and in go mode. I don't know. Is there anything you could, you could help us with? Well, so, so before the pandemic, I was in Silicon Valley, you know, four times a year visiting customers. I was in London once, once a year, usually New York, Boston, Texas. I mean, that's, you know, the tech hubs is kind of where our clients are right before the pandemic. Actually, I was going to have my first trip to uh, Tel Aviv. Oh, cool. I got put on hold. (laughs) Man, that would be a fun trip. But, you know, I, for me, it's not been a challenge. It's it's I get a lot more done at home than I do in an office. I'm a social butterfly. And if I'm in an office, like I had a client years ago who had me drive for two hours to Raleigh, North Carolina, once a week to be in the office. And like I found myself, you know, shooting those nerf things at the, you know, the, the engineers and yeah. song and, you know, like just goofing off and not getting anything done. So I finally was like, do you really want me here every Wednesday? Yeah. I was, yeah. Okay, I'm not, <laughs> not getting much done guys. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, I get that. So you can kind of, you can cr- kind of create your own focused world, right? So instead of distractions and goofing off and stuff, you've been able to create maybe like a little bubble where you can get in the zone, get focused and, and get your work done. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, I love home. I love, there's no place like it. So I just can't imagine. I mean, you know, you have to have a comfortable environment as you can see. I mean, I've been working from home forever. I've got just tons of crap all over the place, but it, you know, it's really a comfortable space. I've got a yeah. standing desk that goes up and down. I have a high chair. I, you know, now thanks to the pandemic, I have these great lights that, um, Oh Yeah. I, my vision, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my kids call it my studio upstairs. They're like, "Are you on TV or something?" I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm yeah. not. I'm not on TV, but I just need better lighting up here. Um, uh, so I'm curious for you: Do you take breaks throughout the day? Is there like, a, do you get away, go walk? Like, absolutely. yes. Um, so when I get stressed, I will absolutely take a walk, um, or just just walk away. Like, I, yeah. mean, I would say. Every couple of hours, I I leave my office. <laughs> Good. It's just to run downstairs and grab some peanuts. I mean, it's, you know, to say, I can't, I just can't sit here all day. <laughs> Same. However, there are those days when I'm just literally back to back to back to back to back. And today happens to be one of them. I have mm-hmm. a minute break after this before I'm in back to back till after five. That <laughs> is my, that is literally my day today. Well, I've got a 30 minute break coming up and then the rest are, back to back till five, which in some ways are great, you know, like when you don't even have time to think about anything else. And then other times you just realize like, wow, I really needed to stretch my legs for a second. Right. Just 
get outside, change the scenery, take a walk, a breath of fresh air, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially if I'm in like sales calls and I'm giving, you know, I, I've uh, clearly got my spill down. I mean, yeah. I, I try to, I try to change it up just a bit so that I don't feel exhausted by saying the same thing over and over again, because I yeah. love what we do. And I, I'm a huge believer in what we do. However, if I say the same thing seven times in a row, every 30 minutes, that becomes, you know, I try to, I try to be creative. I love that. Well, if we have, which I know we do, if we have founders listening right now that are maybe where you were when you started your first business, maybe it's a one person show right now, or just a few, and they're having to do sales, right? Because every business has to make sales and they might find themselves doing a little bit of what you're doing, having to reach out to a customer, having to start a conversation around their product, their service. Is there any approach that you know, you kind of follow in terms of how do you actually do a conversation like that well that would pique their interest and lead to the kind of conversation they're wanting to have? Could you share any anything well, like that, that might help? if you're talking about making a cold call, um, know who you're calling. Make mm. sure you're calling the right person. <laughs> Make sure that, that the person you're calling would have a need, you know, like not, I mean, maybe they don't have a need for your service, but, but, but could potentially at least have a need for your service. Don't, you know, I get constant messages that make no sense. And, and so <laughs> like, I'm like, why are you calling me? I don't need a cleaning service for my office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> my office is my home. <laughs> I mean, I do need a cleaning service for my office, but <laughs> yes. Um, so, so, so there's that, I mean, know who you're calling and keep your message short and to the point, don't waste their time. Um, mm. tell them who you are, why you're calling, you know, what, what this is about. And you need less than a minute, you know, if, if, unless you're speaking about cleaning someone's office who doesn't have an office, you know, they're, they, you know, if it's relevant, they will give you less than a minute unless they're in the middle of something. Interesting. But with, but with sales, I mean, sales, I just find you can't really sell people stuff anymore. It has to be more consultative and, and educational, you know, I mean, it's either a fit or it's not a fit is the way I look at it. And I just, I, I've even quit using a deck. Like I don't even use a deck anymore. I just talk to people and try to learn about what they're, you know, what problems they're trying to solve and see if there's some synergies with what we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so beautiful. Uh, that's what we do as well. We just found, man, if you can just be in a conversation where you find out what someone's goals are, what their pain might be and where the gaps exist, you know, their trouble reaching that. If that happens to be a solution that you can help them with, then you have a natural next step. If not, you don't. And that's okay. Right. Right. Yeah. If you try to put a round peg in a square hole, you will be found out every single time. I mean, there's right. too much information out there these days to, to try to, you know, talk someone into something. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so f how about for your team? Have, have you, have you guys found it difficult, especially during the pandemic and being separated to keep people motivated, connected, inspired, or has that been... I would say that we have become more connected and inspired. Um, about a year and a half ago, I made another amazing cold call to literally the best hire I've ever had. Oh, wow. 
Um, she now owns PL for our production team. Um, she's a VP of services, de service delivery. Um, she's up in Buffalo, New York. And I found her on LinkedIn. I cold called her and um, she did a short couple of months of kind of consulting to kind of, you know, try before we got married. And she started in January of 2020 and she's just irreplaceable. Wow. <laughs> so she has, she has done so much to, to really help with the culture at Demand Zone. She's firm, but patient. She's kind she's 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 has the ability to to really motivate people by getting to know them and figuring out what their drivers are so mm -hmm. I, we've really just seen a complete transformation in our company culture which is great wow how would you do yeah how would you describe your company culture are there any adjectives or words that come to mind um family friendly we are so family friendly um my dad died suddenly out of the blue at 71 three and a half years ago and um that has we've always been family friendly but that has really made me be extremely empathetic with yeah. the family situation you have no idea what they're going through and so when people come to us with with issues or problems we we clear the road for them. We, we do everything we can to make sure they, they, they get what they need and they get the time that they need. Um, we're big on sending food. <laughs> That's awesome. But, but sometimes there's just nothing else you can do, but send a hot meal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially during some kind of grief or tragedy yep. when words fail and there's nothing you can really do. It's like, here's yep. at least a meal I thought about, I thought about you all making and you can enjoy so that's that's so good and we, we do also do like lots of fun competitions lots of giveaways people really love that um you know doing outbound cold calling um it's hard work yeah <laughs> and you really have to have a good support system because you have those calls that are just like gosh why was he so mean to me <laughs> but yeah you know you have people even though we're not together physically you it's almost like you have someone sitting right next to you at all times there's always someone there ready to jump on slack and video and and talk you off the ledge <laughs> <laughs> i know that world well one of one of the companies we serve, they do, they do cold calls. Um, and so I coach about 15 or 20 of these people. And this is, it's been a unique world for the last three years. I've gotten to know better and better uh, from, from working with them, but man, it's a, it's a different kind of superhero that can learn how to kind of put their big girl and big boy pants on and get through what a lot of people would find uncomfortable and actually make a meaningful connection with somebody and, it's, it really is like a, a, a super skill. And I appreciate you saying that because I think SDRs are undervaluated. Um, I mean, if you look at SDR teams across the board, they're young and they're new yeah. grads. We love new grads at Demand Zen. I'm going to have one someday soon, I hope. And I hope she finds employment, just not at Demand Zen. <laughs> <laughs> because, because here's the thing, we are having mature business conversations with people at the mid-market and enterprise. And, and, and that's not something you learn in college. It's something that you, you develop over time. And I remember those calls that I would make when I was in my early twenties. Yeah. And sometimes they just did not go that well. <laughs> so, no. so um, you know, just because you can 
open a door doesn't mean you can close the door. So SDRs tend to get hired and they stay for, if they succeed, 14 months, and then they want to be promoted because, you know, the fame and the glory and the money is in the full life cycle cell. I, I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. I think that opening the door is just as important as closing the door, if not more important, because if you think about it, a really good sales rep, AE, whatever you want to call them, like without a good SDR, without somebody getting you in that door, they're yeah. dead water once they're done with their Rolodex. That's yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will change. Um, so how do you guys, how do you guys deal with that temptation where someone is going to look to potentially move from what you guys are doing to the full life cycle sales? Have you found a way to incentivize them to to stay where it is financially exciting for them, or how does that work? So we we because we're, we're say, we save money on infrastructure, um, we pay our our team very well. Um, we um, provide lots of benefits, lots of good, you know, work-life balance. Um, um, I do wish they would make benefits more affordable for small businesses. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that's across the board, unfortunately. Um, but, um, but we have minus the VP of service delivery, every single manager we have in at demands in has been promoted from within. Wow. So um, there's one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven managers today. Um, and they all started off as individual contributors. Man, that is cool. What is, um, what's one goal that you guys are really pushing for right now that makes you excited? Ooh, well, we have, well, we, we have, you know, economic goals. Yeah. <laughs> We have. Yeah. So, so last year was such a mess, um, March through June, um, that I thought, well, what's happening? Is are we going to, are, are we going to still be a business after all of this? Sure. Um, and so we had our goal in January before we wanted to be in December. And I thought, well, there's no way we're going to do that now. And we ended up exceeding that goal. Um, by, you know, June, the floodgates opened and people started saying, you know, we've got to get back to work. We've got to get back to business and we can't wow. go to conferences anymore. So, you know, we became a really good option for lead generation because the options were a lot more limited than they once were. Um, and so we, you know, we, we had customers leave, but then came back. And then we also have, you know, just net new people coming kind of out of the woodwork that just found us, which is mm. great, you know, as a small company to be found, to finally have brand huge. It's a huge thing. So, so we've just been busy, busy, busy. Um, and, you know, we've got a goal for March and we're on track. So that's very exciting. <laughs> that's, that's huge. I mean, what a win in, in 2020 to not only survive, but to grow. Um, that is really huge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious for you. What, um, what do you turn to for your kind of growth and development? If you're thinking, how do I keep myself inspired or learning or growing? Do you turn to podcasts? Do you turn to books, conferences? What do you use? Yes. So I listen to podcasts. Um, I am currently reading. I wrote this down because I can never remember the names of my books. Oftentimes it's someone else telling me to read it and we're going to go talk about it as a group. Yeah. <laughs> called Lead Inside the Box by Victor Prince. And a podcast I'm listening to is um, Somi Arian. It's, it's Women Doing More. Okay. Um, I also um, am a avid reader of Medium 
I get those alerts, mm -hmm. customized selections, and I take time every day to do that. Um, LinkedIn Learning, um, everyone at Demand Zen has that, and I certainly utilize it as well. Um, and this is going to sound silly, but but actually Google Alerts. Hmm. I love Google Alerts. Um, and, and you know how so. Um, because I set them up, I set up Google alerts with Boolean searches. And it, so it's very, you know, kind of customized content that comes to my inbox every day. And, and, you know, I, whether it's like the latest trends in B2B lead generation or, or, you know, leadership as a woman or, you know, different diversity in the workplace, how to yeah. be amazing culture, you know, that kind of stuff. Wow. That is, man, I've got to try that. That's a great idea. <laughs> Sometimes you asked earlier with stress, yeah, I'll walk downstairs and get peanuts or I'll go for a walk. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to walk away from this and I'm going to go read my Google alerts or read Medium and just take a minute. To yeah. Let up. something kind of fill you up if yeah. you've been given out all day. Especially when I get like a Word document um, from like my master services agreements with lots of red lines. <laughs> <laughs> What causes you typically the most stress in leading in leading your organization? Um, well, I, I'm just I'm I'm a problem solver by nature. I think most women are, um, and and so that can lead me to be very reactive, and and I kind of just run to, mm. to try to fix problems versus kind of stepping back and letting it be a learning experience and, and, you know, solving the root of it. So that's, you know, uh, that's probably my biggest stressor is something not going right. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And, and so if I'm hearing you right, you're saying when something starts to go wrong, instead of letting somebody figure it out, you might rush to fix it yourself. Yeah. In the past, I would say I've gotten a lot better at that. That's okay. a big, that's something I've been working on now. Some people might say that that's not true, but <laughs> if they had known me two years ago, they might say, oh, wow, yes, you have gotten better, Amanda. <laughs> that's awesome. What has helped you with that? Um, well, some of it's just peer, you know, uh, you know, reflection, you know, mm. seeing how that my reaction might affect someone. You know, so they're reflecting my behavior back, and I'm like, "Oh, I don't really like that picture." <laughs> Probably thought <laughs> that. So you know, it's just like you know, your your child, um, let her go to school in that outfit, and let her peers shame her, and she'll stop wearing that. Versus <laughs> her old mother saying, "Don't do that. Don't wear that. You look ridiculous." <laughs> right, right. Let the market correct itself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, it sounds like that you guys have a pretty healthy culture of feedback, right? Where you're you're able to say, hey, I was reflected back to me what it was like to be on the other side of me. Um, how did that develop? That's that's rare. Even though everybody talks about it, it's it's rare to, to develop those kind of mature conversations with each other. Well, and it hasn't always been that way. I mean, you know, I think I think it's it's trust mm. um, and open communication. Um, and, you know, we don't have a closed door policy, if you can call it that, with 100% remote. But I mean, you know, my door is always open. We look for feedback. I don't want numbers. We don't want numbers. We want, you know, we want people to make difference. a difference. We want them to, to bring good ideas, not just mm. problems. So we try to encourage that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like even with the, the engagement surveys and things like that, you're trying to invite 
conversation and opinion back to you guys. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And, and my business partner loves to send out all kinds of surveys too. So it's not just office five. I mean, he'll like find just random type stuff and he'll, we have to actually stop him sometimes. We're like, okay, we just did one two weeks ago. We don't <laughs> <another one. laughs> we're going we're gonna to get survey fatigue, right? Survey fatigue. Yes. What, it, what would you, when you look at the two of you guys, what would you say is his unique superpower and what, what's kind of your superpower? Um, his super, my, my superpower is empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I empathize. I highly, I, I feel a lot and I can, I, I can, I can relate to people of all walks of life. Um, his superpower is um, his Gosh, I mean, he's he's an operations finance engineer. Um, he's he's also not scared to try new things hmm. um, as it relates to new technology, um, and so that's that's been huge for us. That's awesome. Uh, what would you say are the kryptonites? You, you you don't have to talk about his if you don't want to. <laughs> oh no, oh, no! I mean, it's the same almost. Really, it's the yeah. same as like you know. Sometimes I'm too feeling, and sometimes he's too analytical. I mean, mm. there's no question. Um, neither one of us are scared of change at all, and we will change something in a second if we think that's it's the right decision. Um, and we, you know, we we don't take too long to figure out if something needs to be changed, um, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Sure. So, I mean, but, you know, I think it's, you know, you're going to have to fail some, I mean, you just, you just, you just have to. And No avoiding it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how you learn. You just try not to do it more than like the same thing, like two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. Now you're doing it on purpose. All right. I had to learn your lesson at least after mistake number two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that makes me think of a question. I love asking people like you, everybody pays a dummy tax, right? Like you, you just can't help it when you're building something, you're walking into the unknown and it's only in hindsight that you go, Oh man, that was, that was kind of an expensive mistake, right? For the learning curve of that moment. Um, what would you say looking back was, was some of your biggest, maybe your biggest dummy tax so that you would hope to save a founder who's listening right now, whose company is smaller than, you know, than yours is say, if you can try to avoid paying this dummy tax. Gosh, so many to choose from. That's how I feel. <laughs> like I had paid them left and right. Um, so don't overcomplicate things. Hmm. Period. You know, at least in the services industry. I mean, our product is people. And, and so, you know, overcomplicating things, just workflow processes, all that stuff. Yes. A, it's expensive, really expensive. And, and B, it, it's frustrating for your, for your team because mm. it's like, gotta go here, gotta go here, gotta, you know, this up, this up, this up, this up. Um, so just be more conscious and, and, and also do more, you know, sandboxes. Like, like, let's, you know, thoroughly think about our users, our employees, and let's think about it. Like, I, I'm guilty of it. My business partner's guilty of it. And and I think that, that we have learned that lesson. That is mm. a knock on wood that hopefully we will not repeat. Yeah. It's really costly, too. I mean, it's just costly. Vet things out. 
make sure you know what you're buying is worth it and people want it and people want to use it. In terms of like uh, technology you might be wanting to use or some investment in the company or something like that? Yeah, all of it. <laughs> so yeah. good. Yeah, we, we we look for all those shiny bells and whistles at first, right? Just oh. thinking more will help. <laughs> more, yeah, no, less. Less so is good. best. That's so yeah. good. We do more with less, honestly, at least in the services world. Mm. Sure. Well, let's end with this question before we go into the lightning round. As you look back, we just talked about maybe some of the bigger mistakes to avoid. Um I want to kind of change the lens and say, as you look back, what are you most grateful for? Oh, I'm so grateful for my, my family, A, because they have really put up with me mm. being absent at times um, because this has been a lot of work. Sure. Um, but I, other than that, my, my employees, the team, I mean, I've had people that have stuck with me since, you know, basically, you know, 2014. Wow. <laughs> and, and, you know, it has not been an easy place to work uh, all the time. <laughs> I mean, we've always, our heart has always been in the right place. We've always wanted it to be the best place to work. Um, but I don't think until last year, it really was. Mm. Uh, it took a while, you know, we had growing pains. We had a lot of stuff to figure out, a lot of changes every six months or so, trying to figure out what what was going to work best. So I'm just, you know, so thankful for the team because without them, I mean, you know, I was doing this on my own and like then, you know, slowly hire people and, you know, it didn't get easier hiring people because then I got more customers. And so I was still working <laughs> hard and hiring people. But um, yeah, we've we've got a good culture. We've got a good structure in place, and I'm more focused and, and able to be more present at home as well. Wow, it's yeah. it's there's there's nothing quite like the the humbling as, aspect of seeing people buy into you and to buy into your your vision, your organization, and work hard for it. Right? Um, it really is a truly cool and an inspiring thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm proud of what we've built and proud of our team and think it provides a good a good you know way for them to support their family yeah yeah that's awesome all right let's go into the lightning round five quick questions for you that we've asked uh each founder as they've been on the podcast here so question number one if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization what would it be um be authentic hmm why why be authentic why, why does that come to mind it's it's the most important thing i mean it, it, you have i mean if you're not it, it shines through in everything you do mm. um so i've been guilty of it everybody has been guilty of not being authentic and and you know if if, if i could you know when you come to that that's when you really grow up mm. okay so the faster you can get to your authentic self the better off you're going to be love that Okay, number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business and also the worst? Ugh, I'm not sure I even know the answers to that. I saw that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. The best advice I got was um, don't grow too fast. Mm. Don't grow too fast. And we certainly have not followed that advice at times. And, sure. And it's taking the toll. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, 
that's the best advice. The worst advice, I've had a lot of great people. Um, I've surrounded myself with a lot of great mentors. And sure. so I don't know that I've gotten really any bad advice. Is there any advice? Let's let's not think about someone giving you advice. Is there any advice that maybe you see in your industry or that you just hear as like a common way of thinking about stuff that you're like, I actually disagree with how a lot of people have thought about business or running a culture or sales or something like that? Well, in B2B tech, um, you find very few women um, in general in sales and engineering, you know, as founders. Um, so I think, you know, women can do all of that too. Yeah. <laughs> right on. I love that. Okay. Number three, what causes you the most worry leading your organization? We already covered this a little bit, but it's still one of the lightning round questions. Yeah. I mean, I guess the most worry is, is gosh, another pandemic hitting and, and, and me not having the business to support my employees. Right. <laughs> as that's the biggest fear, you know, as a business owner is, you know, what if something could take business out? Yeah. So, I just am a worry wart. So. Yeah. I get that. Um, number four, What's your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for you personally or for the company? Personally, well, personally and for the company is to be uh, number one in the lead generation space for B2B tech, but to remain a, a very family-friendly culture and and a boutique feel to our clients. Like I still mm. want to not have this big company feel where you have to fit into our model. We want to learn about you and fit into your model. Like I still want it to be small company atmosphere, Yeah, um, but we want to be number one in our space and crush all of our competitors. Let's go. I love it. Uh, that's, that's cool. We, we feel the same way where you have that, that competitive feel of like, yeah, of course I want to be the best yet. There's also something special here that you don't want to lose in scaling to be the best. Right. Yes. That's awesome. Okay, number five, uh, my favorite question. Uh, if you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past, and you get to tell yourself one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by, when would you go back and what would you tell yourself? So I said this earlier, um, I'm a problem solver. Women in general tend to be problem solvers. Um, and I would have told myself that Amanda, you don't have a club. You're not out fixing things for these founder, these startup founders and helping them grow their business. You have a business. Mm. You have a business. It took me a while to realize I had a business. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, you know, you are smart enough to have a business. Yeah. So that was a, you know, I guess I just never thought about having a business. <laughs> yeah. Then I just had, next thing I knew, I had one. A lot of women a lot of women founders started their business off as a hobby. I, you know, early on did it for 20 hours a week in the very beginning because I just wanted to make some extra money and did not want to have to be a stay at home mom. Well, I will stay at home, but I just, <laughs> I did not, I love my child, but I just didn't want her at home with me. And yeah. the next thing I knew, I, you know, had seven employees and I'm like, wow, I've got a business. Wow. So. Well, my friend, you have done it. You have taken something that was a hobby and turned it into a real 
company that is making waves and growing fast. I mean, you caught our attention. You made the Inc. 5000. You are uh, you are doing something really right, and uh, it's fun to see it. So happy to have you here on the podcast. Thank you for taking time, sharing your wisdom and your story with us. It's been an honor. Thank you. This was fun. You made this easy. <laughs> good, good. Well, we hope to have you back on someday. And uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, and don't forget to introduce me to your customer. Oh, we're about to talk right now, girl. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Take care. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.